Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring everything mysterious, cryptic, and weird in the world. Today on the show, we're going to start a new series that will have periodic installments on secret societies, as requested by patron Michael Worrell. And this first episode on the topic is going to cover the Bilderberg Group. But please keep in mind that though 90% of conspiracy theories are bullshit, there's always that 10% that happens to be true. So pretty much a lot of what I say can be disregarded because concerning conspiracies, if just like more than a handful of people know about it, then it isn't really a conspiracy anymore. A lot of these things are just played up for entertainment and for cash. So keep that in mind, but also enjoy the creepy secret society that may just be taking over the world. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. first meeting of what would later be known as the Bilderberg Group took place in 1954. It was a meeting of the most powerful, wealthy, and influential people in the world. The gathering took place at a high-class hotel called the Bilderberg, hence where the group got their name. These 1% power players stayed at the hotel over the weekend, talking about the current trajectory of human history and how they could alter global affairs with their unparalleled power. This meeting was a pretty big deal that billions across cultures would be affected by. However, what's truly questionable and created a lot of suspicion is that this group agreed to meet again and again every year to talk about the future of humanity. And from that point on, after this first meeting, they called themselves the Bilderberg Group. And they still have gatherings in fancy places once a year till this day. One of the most disturbing things to most people who research the Bilderberg Group is the origins of them which was actually founded by an ex-Nazi, Prince Bernard from the Netherlands. Prince Bernard has denied the claim that he's a former Nazi, but historians and objective evidence dictates otherwise. The other main founder, and I can't really pronounce his name, but to me it looks like Joseph Redinger, was an agent of the Vatican, which I'm not sure why the Vatican is uh, supposedly in on this because the Bilderberg group don't like religion. But the Vatican is in on it, so from the very start, this kind of screams Da Vinci Code type conspiracy secret societies. The other founding members are allegedly former Illuminati and Freemasons, despite no evidence to back that up. And whenever I read about like conspiracy theorists talking about the Illuminati, I always instantly think, which Illuminati? Which one are we talking about here? And that's a secret society episode I'm really looking forward to making in the future. They're just so iconic, but it's much more likely that the original members outside of the two main founders were just incredibly wealthy and powerful people of the world. Like it's confirmed, for example, that the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds also were members of the original foundation. And if you know any stuff about those families or people like them, these uh, one percenters, then you know that bankers are one of the true powers behind the scenes of the world, even over governments in many cases. And a lot of the other stuff that's in the mainstream up front people can see is just for show. And even throwing this clandestine origin of the Bilderberg Group to the side, there are still tons of reasons. There's like tons of legit reasons why they are questionable. For example, they've been meeting for more than 50 years at the time of this recording. And Throughout all this time, that all these decades that they've been meeting, there has not once ever been any press allowed to attend. 
There's also never been any release of conclusions of what they talked about or directions they decided things are going to go or whatever agendas they talked about and what they all agreed upon. All things that are a pretty big deal concerning that there is no democracy attached to it whatsoever. None. And non-democratically elected powers, you know, like power players in society are always the most dangerous, especially if they have tons of influence in powerful institutions. There's always the possibility of lobbying. Now there's such corruption and nepotism that snowballs to screw everything else up in society. What do the world's most powerful people talk about behind closed doors? And who watches the watchers? In modern times, it's safe to assume that politicians, journalists, businessmen, and all people of influence are part of this group who come from all over the world. Still, there is so much radio silence concerning this secret society. You'd think it would be more well-known and the public would be more antagonistic towards it, but no. 99% of journalists won't even go anywhere near the Bilderberg Group. The gutter press won't even mention it. This really is what separates the Bilderberg Group from any of the other like secret society or conspiracy theory type stuff concerning New World Orders and, you know, stuff like that. And why is this? Do you think that it might be because the mainstream media is literally owned by the Bilderberg Group in its entirety? In a world where the World Economic Forum is front page news and openly debated in free media as well as mainstream media, the Bilderberg Group is rarely the topic of any press or <laughs> literally anything like that. And the World Economic Forum has openly stated its intent to create like a, a neo-communism police state with total surveillance, no privacy, and no one able to own any personal property, which is disturbing. They even say it like had it on their webpage for a while, it said, by 2030, you will own nothing, have no privacy, and be happy. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and even more weird is that many world leaders are part of the World Economic Forum, and that's still talked about. Even G8 world leaders organizing strategies and agendas and whatnot are front page news. So why the silence on the Bilderberg Group? Maybe it's because the Bilderberg Group is headed by the global banker elite, as well as the Federal Reservists. Uh, and it's also got pretty much all the people from all the most powerful corporations on the planet in it. Maybe it's just a whole another level above the rank and file world leaders or any normal politicians. I mean, we're talking presidents, senators, congressmen, chief editors from the biggest journalist organizations. The biggest of the big, richest of the rich, and the most powerful of the powerful. These are the people that make up the Bilderberg Group. And in some cases, just a single one of these people have more money than all American citizens combined. Now, before I go further, I just want to state, and I know that some people may get mad at me saying this, especially if they have been sucked too deep into certain rabbit holes, but no organization is ever like 100% evil or 100% good. Real life is more gray. I mean, that's this whole like black and white, good and evil kind of stuff as an overarching thing concerning organizations. It's pretty much like Hollywood and fiction and myth and stories. The real world is rarely like that. And when it is, it's like 0.001% of anything, purely good or Purely evil people are rare to the point of almost non-existence in the big picture of things. Uh, things are rarely able to be defined in black and white. You know, there's good people who do bad things for the right reasons and bad people who do good things for the wrong reasons and everything in between with all people in like a constant flux of uh, on the morality polarity scale throughout their lives. Everyone can switch from villain to hero to neutral many times over, just in a single day, much less throughout their entire lives. And usually with that change being completely invisible to the conscious mind. My point is not that everybody in the Bilderberg group is evil or good or whatever. Because at the end of the day, people are still people. And you may disagree with me, and that's fine. I support your disagreement. But many circles of people into conspiracy theories Label everyone a part of these secret type societies or whatever evil. And to me, that's just like not the case and kind of naive and backward. 
it's pretty self-evident that the world is shades of gray, not black and white. Though, there are people who say that evil doesn't exist when, in fact, evil very much exists. Anyway, I'm kind of getting lost in the woods here. I think you feel me, though. There are many in the Bilderberg group who genuinely want to better the world for all humans. But there are others within who are less noble, of course. And despite any reservations we may have, this shadow world government does have an insane amount of power over our lives and seem to be pretty drunk on hubris. But our, our world events pretty much over the past 50 years have all been many times just pieces on a global chessboard being moved by the Bilderberg group. However, though it may seem to be a united, top-tier, invincible global faction, there are always splinter groups and competing powers and egos and factions and the like in all organizations. The Bilderberg group is no different, so they are not as united as face value may suggest, and total control is alien to the nature of reality and our chaotic universe. <laughs> also, we have to keep in mind that many times they have failed in their attempts at changing the world or as yet attempts in play are unsubstantiated the word allegedly should be auto-filled into your mind with pretty much everything concerning what i say about the uh, the conspiracies or basically anything surrounding the bilderberg group so though there are bad people out of touch with reality or out of touch with just normal people who are in the Bilderberg group, there are also still black hats and white hats and everything in between. So no matter how scary the Bilderberg group conspiracy theory stuff gets, just uh, remember not to get paranoid. It's not worth it. You got much bigger stuff to deal with just in your regular, regular everyday life. And I'd feel really bad if I gave you a source of anxiety from all this. Meetings of the group are clandestine, highly secretive, and have the highest security imaginable. A group within the group, like um, like an inner council, are the only ones who can invite someone to join the Bilderberg group, and only the most powerful are ever invited. Considering just who are members of this elite group, that makes a lot of sense, but uh, invitees are pretty much expected to like bring their own cooks and have their own people and their own services any service that they could possibly mean, like need, and all this help that they are allowed to bring with them only are allowed to after exhaustive background checks. Top to bottom, identities are checked, checked again, and then checked a dozen times more. No one gets in or out or even near without the highest scrutiny. The location changes, but it does need, uh, it needs to be luxurious, obviously but it also has to have awesome sniper positions that can cover all directions at multiple levels. They have an inner police force of sorts called the Chatham House, which they take a vow, and after the vow is taken, nothing that is ever said within the gathering is ever to be repeated, or even written down for that matter. Taking notes at a Bilderberg gathering is a big no-no. Like, just writing stuff down is a huge offense. This is allegedly so people can speak freely and uh, not have to worry about their reputation or business or influence or the public finding out what they said and getting angry. And the Bilderbergs take this secrecy very seriously. Seriously to the point that the Chatham House even commits disciplinary action on offenders. And even the highest paid CEO to the most powerful politician in Washington are not exempt from this disciplinary action. In saying this, the group all claim to represent themselves as private citizens and not their normal everyday-to-day -day life roles or professions or even elected political position. Doesn't matter though, because uh, even if they do try to say that they represent themselves as private citizens, it still kind of defies the Logan Act in, well, in the U.S. at least, which pretty much, uh, it means that it's illegal for government officials to meet in private with business executives to work out public policy, which is totally what they're doing at the Bilderberg Group. But then again, to be honest, most politicians in the U.S. break the Logan Act all the time. 
and no one does anything about it. So Daniel Estelin really breaks it all down well in his book, but I don't want to get too dry into the pedantic information. I just want to give you the juicy stuff or the stuff just necessary to understand exactly what the Bilderberg Group is and how their organization and meetings function. When the Bilderberg Group assembles for their yearly function, it's a four-day thing, four-day gathering, which isn't cheap. The total costs about 10 million euros per participant for just the basic necessities. Every day of the gathering has four sessions. There are two in the afternoon and two in the morning, other than Sunday, which only has a single morning session. Saturday, though, Saturday is all about leisure and socializing when they get to do all the cool, weird stuff that super rich people do. Only 80 of the Bilderberg Group members are permanent, and then the rest only attend occasionally based on circumstance and influence and, I guess, the tides of power that fluctuate this way and that. Someone rich and powerful one year may have a lot of misfortune and not be invited the next. Many invitees are not aware of the true nature or structure of the group and are brought in just because they have knowledge or information or you know, something of that nature that could be useful to the overall agenda being discussed. They also hunt for possible tools that could be useful in the future in this way. And if the invitee proves that they can be useful, the Bilderberg group will help them attain high levels of power. Invitees who don't leave an impression or hit the mark are never invited back again or given any assistance. Those who are invited back and get to speak on the meeting's agenda may or may not receive another invitation based on how useful they may be to future plans as well. For example, in 1991, Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas and received an invitation to the Bilderberg meeting that year. David Rockefeller spoke to him directly at the meeting about how the North American Free Trade Agreement was one of the organization's main objectives in the coming years. Bill Clinton told the Bilderbergs that he'd completely support it and work for its creation, to which he was then and there basically crowned as President of the United States by the Bilderberg Group. And the very next election, guess who became President? And in 1994, Bill came through on his side of the bargain with the North American Free Trade Agreement becoming a real thing. However, the actual meeting stuff, when that's going down, the invitees go in completely alone. No bodyguards, wives, family, assistants, or anything you can think of. What is talked about in the meetings is for Bilderberg member ears only. This includes the CIA, or even if a US president is attending, the Secret Service. Everyone that's not a Bilderberg has to eat or do their thing separate from the conference. They are very serious about whatever is said at the Bilderberg Group stays at the Bilderberg Group. Attendees, whether permanent members or consistent members or like uh, every once in a while invitees, they all play musical chairs with the seating, switching it up every year so as not to play favorites or something. I am assuming we are talking about like the biggest egos in existence after all. They need some kind of round table type thing going on. But um, basically a person in the front row one year in the next year can be in the back row, for example. And for the most part, pretty much every single country from around the world can get an invitation. And in the modern incarnation of the group, there is at least every single country being represented there. And let's take a quick break. I need some more coffee. You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. $30 off weed with code podcast? Did someone say $30 off weed with code podcast? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code podcast to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now is the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate 
our most complete, foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50% plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. You know those cigarette butts that you see every day? They're made of microplastics and they line our streets and waterways. On California beaches, they're the number one plastic you'll find. Over 35 years, cleanups have collected millions combined. But no matter where you see them, they're all getting smaller, eventually leaching into our food, our air, our water. The tobacco industry's to blame for all of the harm that they do. For the harm to the people we love, and the harm to you too. Learn more at undo.org. When these Bilderbergs get together, for the most part, basically every country from around the world can uh, send somebody or has somebody there as representation. These people range from mega corporation leaders, politically powerful people, royalty, news editors, and media CEOs, or you know, the super rich, like I've already said. Just basically the most powerful, influential people across the world. Some of the countries that are bigger and more powerful, like the United States, for example, have more representatives, obviously. And then the smaller, least powerful countries may only have like one or two representatives, but the most powerful countries on the planet have many seats. There's a maximum of 130 Bilderbergers in the facility during these meetings. And uh, all the attendees are, I guess they're required to speak English because they pretty much universally only speak English during these events with French as a universal second language but they mostly speak English no matter what country they come from while at these Bilderberg meetings. Non-members include Bill and Hillary Clinton. Actually, a lot of presidents have been associated with the Bilderberg group, if not directly, then through other organizations that answer to them. Also the famous tech giant Bill Gates, Prince Charles, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Henry Kissinger, John Kerry, Google's own Eric E. Schmidt, Senator Lindsey Graham, Kui Tianaki, the Chinese ambassador to the US, George Soros, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and many, many more you may or may not recognize the name of, especially concerning the global elite today and the royalty today. But all the members of the Bilderberg group are people at the highest levels of power and influence across the world. I was surprised that Zuckerberg wasn't in there, but he could be in there, just not one of the the 80 permanent members. He could just be one that comes in and out, you know, and then especially like the other mega corporation CEOs and whatnot, some of them, some of the key names weren't in there. Anyway, the reason you don't ever hear some of these prominent figures being in this group or what they talk about, especially the more narcissistic blabbermouth ones, it's because they all take a vow of silence that's very serious in the group and has mostly yet to be broken other than some leakage here and there. Like, I mean, we have this information, right? But for the most part, this vow of silence has been kept pretty steady over the years, especially concerning the big boys. But also right off the bat, since its inception, even without the leaks or insider knowledge, there was a serious conflict of interest considering these Bilderbergers were organizing geopolitics of basically all countries. And it's obvious they don't have the actual, like normal people who live in these countries' best interests or desires at heart. Like, for example, when the Bilderberg group were trying to break up Canada, that failed, thank God, since uh, they basically owned the media, they thought that they could just spin it any way that they wanted. During the Toronto meeting in 1996, author of the book, The True Story of the Bilderberg Group, Daniel Estelin, says that his sources within the Bilderberg group planned for some unvoted for changes in Canada. Quote, this conference was the staging ground for the imminent breakup of Canada. The plan was to have a unilateral decree of independence from Quebec back in 1997 that would go on to fragment Canada and its other provinces. However, they got a little bit more than they bargained for. The Toronto Star, Canada's most widely read newspaper at the time, straight up headlined them. 680 News legendary journalist Dick Smith blasted him on the radio. And at the time, he had like the widest influence possible for a, for a radio show host which was then rebroadcasted over and over as part of the regular news cycle. This was the first time that something like this had ever happened to the Bilderberg group, and it rubbed them the wrong way, especially since these people had such, you know, social prominence. 
the scrutiny made him look bad. So this is the moment that the Bilderberg group was solidified in conspiracy theory pop culture. Before this, it was just kind of like an urban legend kind of thing. But after being so open in the press and out in the open for the world to see, there's just no denying it anymore. What's even more messed up is that the Bilderberg group were discussing the overthrow of the country that was hosting the Bilderberg group meeting. But why Canada, you may ask? Well, because they wanted a European Union type deal across not only Mexico, but the US and Canada, complete with a new currency. And no amount of censorship or ownership of the press could stop the Bilderberg group from being called out because obviously a lot of people were pissed off about this. Somehow the truth came out, thanks to investigative journalists and inside leaks. After this defeat, the Bilderberg group upped security to ridiculous levels for their meetings. So the breakup of Canada was in the book. It says that it's been postponed, but it also could be abandoned. We don't know. But allegedly, the end goal for North America remains the same. North American Union. And their end, end goal is one big world government. Bet you heard that before. Personally, I think that it's kind of inevitable and could be a good thing. I mean, not with evil people in charge, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that the future of humanity, if we're going to progress and like, hopefully leave Earth, we're probably going to have to be united. And we're going to need to be united to fix all our problems and have free energy and keep people from starving, you know. I'm talking about it from the more positive angle. But I also do understand why that idea freaks a lot of people out, especially with like the NWO stuff and all the underhanded shit that these people do that doesn't benefit normal people at all and only helps the 1%. Human nature is human nature. And since the founding of the Bilderberg group, you can also kind of see their influence on a timeline of sorts, with a slow push for them to gain more and more influence. Like in 1951, when the European coal and steel community was formed by six sovereign nations. 1957, the Treaty of Rome is signed and the European Economic Community, ECC, is formed by six nations. And a second treaty creates the EAEC, European Energy Commission. In 1957, the European Court of Justice is formed. In 1960, the European Free Trade Association is formed by seven prominent European nations. In 1967, many mergers take place into the European Economic Community. In 1968, European Customs Union forms. 1978, the European Currency Unit is created, better known as the Euro in modern times. 1992, the European Union is created and the Euro circulated as its official currency. And the Bilderberg Group is behind all of these occurrences. So the Bilderbergs are incredibly patient and play long-term, but ever since that original meeting in the 50s, their influence has just steadily increased. However, they have become less subtle in many ways. For example, their creation of the European Union was pretty heavy-handed. Oh, and their whole incident in Canada, but for the most part, their influence is subtle and enacted from behind the scenes. They're like puppet masters. The North American Union was heavily pushed and influenced by David Rockefeller, one of the big boys of the Bilderbergs. I kind of went into this with the Canada stuff, but it would have basically seen Canada, US and Mexico all go borderless and have the Amero as the official currency, just like the EU has the Euro. The plan originated in the 1980s, and later, even after getting a Bilderberg Prime Minister for Canada elected, still didn't work out. It all relied on Quebec seceding from the rest of Canada, but was narrowly defeated with a vote of, hold on, 50.56 for Quebec to stay as part of Canada, and 49.44% for secession. See, Canada isn't like really as fully united as it may seem at face value. Like you got the French Canadians that are almost in an entirely different culture and world and kind of do want to secede from Canada. Some of them, many of them. I'm not speaking for Canadians. I've just, this is what I've read. And then you got Western Canada that doesn't really like Eastern Canada because of the class differences and 
sort of the blue collar people and then the city people and you know it's just like any like wealthy i mean it is one of the most wealthy countries in the world but like any one of these culturally diverse modern countries there's going to be some division within and that narrow vote if we believe this stuff saved canada from breaking up entirely i mean at first it was just going to be quebec but it was going to like lead to the other the rest of it breaking up and with the rest of canada broken up it opened the doorway for the north american union However, despite their failure in Canada, the Bilderberg Group adapted their tactics. In 2005, President George W. Bush and Mexico's President Vincent Fox and Canada's then Prime Minister Paul Martin signed an agreement to form the NAU, standing for, wait for it, the North American Union. But this also got leaked and the plan was scrapped before it went nuclear. And by nuclear, I don't literally mean that. Just uh, just go viral, I guess. So the plans for North American Union are most likely still not scrapped, just postponed, like it's been many times. Their plans got pretty screwed with because allegedly by 2012, they wanted the European Union, North American Union, and Asian Union all solidified. The Bilderbergs wanted to announce the New World Order openly by 2020, but things rarely, if ever, go according to plan, and some serious wrenches were thrown in the gears of their operations. I wonder what the hell is going on in the UK about how freaked out the Bilderbergers are about the UK leaving the EU, because that's very much against their plans. The Bilderberg Group are objectively globalists, who believe the future belongs to technocrats. So it's safe to assume if something is coming from the establishments or mainstream medias, it's backed up by the Bilderberg Group. These guys crush, censor, demonize, and obliterate any politicians or non-Bilderberg power players in the world, especially if it screws up their plans. However, they do think long term, but some members get impatient. So even though they are insanely powerful, there are still a lot of powerful influencers in the world or on the world stage, I mean, that are not on the list of members of the Bilderberg Group. And it also seems like they get sabotaged from within by their own members a lot too. So I guess my point here is just don't let it get you down. They suffer defeats. If this, if any of this is true, they suffer defeats and also a lot of their main influence, like the head Bilderberg leaders are super old and not going to be around for much longer which is most likely going to create even more inner division and change to the plans, quote unquote. They're knee deep in science, banking, education, military, business, tech, media, politics, you name it. In his book, Estellen says that the Bilderbergs are deliberately trying to hold back science, which I don't fully agree because if you think about it, we've progressed technologically more in the past 50 years than the past 5,000. Not really, but I'm sure you get what I mean. Now, I do think that it's highly likely that certain technology is suppressed. Absolutely. This is objectively factual in our real world. I mean, just look at Nikola Tesla alone, and that was like 100 years ago. The whole world would have free energy if it wasn't for the 1% back then. It also kind of seems like these clandestine types create the, the poison first and then sell the cure. And I don't mean that in any literal sense, so don't think about it too deep. I'm just saying in generalities. They are the poison, claiming to be the cure. And according to Estelin, free, unlimited power sources for everyone is completely against the agenda. So the Bilderberg Group would have been in the same club that suppressed Nikola Tesla's free, infinite energy inventions too. He says it's, uh, it's also why they are so against nuclear power. And have reduced research into it because innovation could spell doom for their monopoly. And so the Bilderberg Group allegedly have plants in pretty much everything. Science and technology, as well as politics. Yeah, everything. Most politicians are put in their place by the Bilderberg Group, Estelin says, and actually do not represent the people that they are supposedly elected to represent. Just like how these days you can see two politicians screaming at each other on camera. And then once the cameras are off, they go out to lunch holding hands. 
The Rockefellers only believe that controlled opposition should ever be allowed. It's also pretty dark that politicians especially, but people who have associated with the Bilderberg group and gone along with their agenda, but then turned against them, seem to end up assassinated. But not all, because allegedly Margaret Thatcher, the longest serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century, defied the Bilderberg group, but she was just removed from power and not taken out. Unlike the alleged assassination of Aldo Moro, the Prime Minister of Italy back in 1978 because he refused to go along with the Bilderberg Group orders concerning the future of his country, but many others too were not so lucky as Margaret Thatcher. But over the past few decades, this uh, open whacking of enemies to the group has kind of died down a lot because the information age uh, doesn't allow it to be done so easily doesn't mean it isn't done, it's just it seems natural. It's much harder to cover up and cover tracks after the invention of the internet, which is another reason why the Bilderberg Group are so desperate at censoring it, and it's this ability for them to be tracked now and chronicled that has led to conspiracy theorists like the notorious Alex Jones to go all out preaching against the group with religious fervor. She is a demon damned to hell! But then again, if you are a conspiracy theorist that makes their income from their work, what's more juicy than the Bilderberg Group, which is much more tangible than other secret societies? David Icke, too, has been warning the public about the Bilderberg Group for years, and I'm sure you know how much people hate David Icke, like they really don't like him. Now, even uh, communist dictator Fidel Castro got in on the fun. The fact is, if you are a career conspiracy theorist, you've done a lot of profitable work covering the Bilderberg Group. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. Honestly, the Bilderberg Group is a conspiracy theorist's dream come true. And the more dramatic they can make it, 
the more profitable. So while the majority of them do have good intentions, good intentions don't pay the bills and good intentions doesn't attract the ears and the attention of listeners. But following the narrative, they seem to, the Bilderbergers, they seem to want like a lot of the same things that the World Economic Forum allegedly wants, like internet ID, social credit system, abolishment of personal property and privacy, and even mandatory microchips implanted under the skin. The strategy is to frame it all going down in a way to make it seem like anybody who's in opposition to it are selfish and against the common good and safety. Like a one example is the internet ID thing could be pushed as a way to, you know, make the internet safe after maybe like a, uh, a manufactured tragedy done by them. Allegedly, they are essentially the poison that claims to be the cure. Each successive push for these things will be after a manufactured crisis that the solution is, of course, what they want. To which that all sounds like a pretty smart way to do their thing. They'd be making their enemies and their opposition the enemy of their victims, which is some pretty advanced 4D chess and a solid tactic in the tyrant playbook throughout history. However, not only is the rumor they'd use a manufactured crisis, they'd also use manufactured financial problems globally. Conspiracy theorists say that this is why the government has gone so insanely into debt, seemingly purposely over the past two decades or so, or that debt is pushed so hardcore on normal people, like think about credit card debt slavery, and this is all done on purpose. This debt is pushed so hardcore on normal people, especially because they'd be much more willing to give up their freedom if it meant getting rid of their debt. However, a straight up new Great Depression is said to be one of the main goals, according to the theorists. But the most frightening alleged strategy that the Bilderbergers have is population reduction. And though it may seem like they're pushing for neo-communism or something, and even support some Marxist organizations, their end goal is not the communist utopia that so many idealists have dreamed of. Because they are first and foremost capitalists. These are all the world bankers and corporate people, remember? I mean, just look at the all the people who run the Bilderberg Group. It makes no sense that they'd be Marxists. In fact, they aren't in the slightest. What they want is a single global capitalism market that is 100% state controlled. So according to the theorists, what they want endgame is themes of communism, but still capitalism and 100% controlled by the elite only. They are happy to use Marxists to get what they want, or they're happy to use anyone really. But they don't really care about any of those types of ideologies. In fact, they see all of these ideologies just as a, a means to an end or as a roadblock. Ideologies where it uh, instills a person to seek knowledge, wisdom, or, you know, enlightenment. All that stuff's gotta go, <laughs> according to the Bilderberg Group. They want to indoctrinate the entire world population into a universal set of principles and ideals all normal people believe in. This universal international identity would assist in bringing the majority of the population under control as a whole. Though mind control techniques in the media, guilt, coercion, and all around just keeping people on their toes, uh, the eventual sense of tired apathy would break down their former barriers. The forms of control they wish to replace people's ideals and beliefs with would be self-governing from within, and greatly influence public opinion any which way they could wish, but to do this all they'd have to do is just manipulate rhetoric. They want people within the prison to also be the guards essentially, according to Estelin. He goes on to talk about how the Bilderbergs want a zero-growth society, essentially. Well, at least to those outside the ruling class, that is. Individual prosperity, growth, or ability to better their lives or themselves would be removed from the equation. And with the advancement in transhumanism and AI, they pretty much will create an entire split in the current Homo sapiens sapien evolutionary line with very different humans living on the same planet. Or the same society, I should say, more accurately, because 
The Bilderberg Group want to colonize the galaxy. As a long-term goal, I should add there. Moreover, with the transhumanism, the ruling class would have advanced DNA editing to essentially become superhuman, and also AI chips would be placed in their brains, skyrocketing their IQ to unfathomable levels. While the rest of humanity also get AI chips in their brains, just more so about controlling them than enhancing them or adding anything beneficial. There would be the superhuman class, the Bilderberg group and their associates and their families, the 1% elite super class. They would all be united into one faction. And then there would be everybody else that would probably degrade to subhuman from genetic tampering and AI implant control. A slave species, essentially. And if you think that this is kind of wacky, the transhumanism and gene therapy stuff is already understood in the scientific community. If you've read the well-known book, Superintelligence, you know that this technology is not far off and absolutely in development. 100% real-world stuff here concerning AI and transhumanism. Gene therapy is already well on its way in um becoming a real thing to the public soon. So while the conspiracy theory stuff can get pretty out there, to be honest, it's still interesting how there is a grain of verifiable truth thrown in there. One day soon, either an older version of us or our descendants will have to decide whether they will accept AI in them or DNA altering. Those who decline may be left so far behind the, the rest of the human race that it would indeed seem like there are two different species of human with one having an insane level of advantage over the other. But I'm getting somewhat ahead of myself. I haven't even covered the Council on Foreign Relations yet. In 1921, um, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Oel Warburg created the Council on Foreign Relations, just as David Rockefeller created the Trilateral Commission, which both work with the Bilderberg Group and Rockefeller is a member of all three. So since many, as I already said, since many presidents have also been part of these organizations, it's easy to see their power in both political parties, as well as the power players in the CIA, FBI, as well as the Senate, Congress, courts, and military. In most administrations, it's actually these people who are the ones pulling the strings. Not all administrations, but many. Especially after the precedent was set pretty much uh, after JFK's assassination. We've allegedly only had a handful of real presidents. Depending on a candidate's personal power and wealth, they may or not even be able to run for president unless they are approved by these powerful organizations. In order to get around them, you already have to have power and wealth. But keep in mind too, it's likely that even these organizations have internal conflict to an extent, though so we shouldn't take everything conspiracy theorists say on the Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, or the Bilderberg Group for 100% fact. Grain of salt taken is required. But with how slimy some of these people are, it's really easy to go all in on the polarized hate against secret societies like these. Like Henry Kissinger, for example, who said, Quote, Today, Americans would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told there was an outside threat from beyond, whether real or imagined, that threatened our very existence. It is then that all people of the world will plead with world leaders to deliver us from this evil. Individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by their world government. End quote. And um, that kind of reminds me of the alien false flag. People who say that a fake alien invasion is on the table to establish global tyranny. I mean, if we were taking this seriously, it could be anything really. I just like the alien idea. It could easily be some other false flag of a more grounded nature, though. Supposedly, they want total control over all currency, including syndicated and digital. 
Any income that is hidden will most likely, according to Mark Dice in his book, The Bilderberg Group, Facts and Fiction, any who hide or try to hide income will have their personal property seized. No one owns anything in this narrative. All private property is abolished and owned by the 1%. So it's a uh, be part of the privileged or have literally nothing kind of a deal. There will be a union of all banks and currencies globally, which is pretty much the main key to their complete plan for dominance. And if you're wondering just how the Bilderbergers are going to enforce all this stuff, well, even without any conspiracy theories, the real world Bilderberg group already is in control of NATO. All that would have to be done is to make NATO the official military of the United Nations. And then all of a sudden, the United States military is now under control of a foreign entity. During the Canadian protests, UN law enforcement got flown into the country real quick. So already these entities we think of as sovereign nations seem to be a lot more united than face value would suggest. In the book, The New Rules of War, Victory in the Age of Durable Disorder by Sean McFate, he talks about how the 1% already live in a borderless world with little to no loyalty to their nationality. And in the age of durable disorder, war has changed so drastically. It's almost unrecognizable compared to its classical aspects. It is the age of information warfare, mercenaries, and proxy wars, both violent and economical. But the greatest threat in this age of durable disorder is bioterrorism. And of course, the old nuclear fallout fear that our parents and their parents had to deal with. That becomes more, well, that uh, fear of nuclear fallout, I mean, becomes more and more possible every year in the world of techno warfare. What's to stop some new advanced hacker technology to just activate nukes or to release firewalls on biological superweapons and the like, or to take out entire grids of power on the planet leading to starvation, death, crime, destruction, chaos, all with just a couple clicks of a button. And there are many more threats on top of that that normal every day-to-day -day citizens are completely oblivious to. And things are rarely what they seem at face value concerning the true nature of geopolitics and the evolution of war. This hidden world is very real. And this little bit right here, that's coming from me, not the conspiracy theorists. Think about a pond that like swamp blanket of moss that can be on top of a pond. A lot of the people who live every day to day, normal lives, they only see that and they think that that's the entire picture. When there's an entire pond underneath that blanket of uh, moss. And with the rise of transhumanism and advanced AI, what's to stop someone that's been altered with an IQ of 400 causing all kinds of trouble for humanity? They see the normal everyday world that normal people are shown doesn't really exist. Or I mean, don't get me wrong, it does exist, it's just, a, um, it's a smaller, it's a much smaller picture than what's really there. People flock this way and that way to the new thing to be afraid of or angry at. While not comprehending, they are just following around a carrot on a stick. Such as with the Bilderberg group, the true nature is far more horrifying and ineffable. But you could also ask yourself too, dear listener. Just what would you do if you had the power and wealth to oppose all these many invisible threats? Would you unite with others like yourself? Would the ends justify the means? How far would you be willing to go to ensure the future of humanity? And would you do it if it meant throwing a lot of ethics out the window? What would you do if you had that power? Like George R. R. Martin once said, the greatest drama is the human heart in conflict with itself. So when it comes to the conspiratorial secret societies, the Bilderberg group are much less occult or objectively sinister, like some are said to be, because it's most likely just super rich, <laughs> like uh, super weird, bizarrely rich people that have a crazy bureaucracy that's pretty grounded in how normal people understand the world. And when you hear them talk, or I mean, the leaked talks and whatnot, then some actually sound 
pretty noble and high-minded. But they do have a disregard for democracy, looking at it as a, a tool and that they can manipulate it to their own gain. Saying stuff like how they know how the human mind works and can thus manipulate democracy how they see fit. This really isn't the case all the time, but they do seem good at it according to researchers like Daniel Estelin. They've been getting a lot more roadblocks in the past couple decades than they had formerly, so that's a good thing. But still concerning the Bilderberg group, I mean, a lot of conspiracy theorists cry about the Freemasons and Skull and Bones, World Economic Forum, Bohemian Club, Trilateral Commission, Golden Dawn, Thelema, Rosicrucians, and of course the Illuminati, but it looks like the Bilderberg group is far more influential than all of those. Though those groups probably have members in the Bilderberg group if we're taking this seriously. But Estelin says that they seek to destroy identity from within and keep people in a constant state of imbalance. So a lot of these stories are probably manufactured. They manufacture one crisis after another until the ideology of the land is apathy and populations are constantly divided against one another. This outcome eventually could lead to either transition into a global single state or the destruction of the Bilderberg group. Keep in mind though, a lot of this stuff is not backed up by evidence and while the Bilderberg group is very, very, very real, many researchers who tackled the subject already had their beliefs made up and concluded before writing anything on the topic. And thus, subject to confirmation bias and narrow reality tunnels that don't allow them to see things outside of it. So there's no reason to get paranoid or feel down about any of the darker conspiratorial information on the Bilderbergs. It's just lore, like anything else I cover. And between extremes, the truth is almost always somewhere in the middle. And I know saying that upsets some of the more hardened conspiracy theorists out there, but I gotta say it anyway, because that's what I think. But I mean, come on, after all, one of the main goals subjectively known that the secret society has is to prevent another world war and to oppose self-imposed extinction of the human race. According to Andrew Kakabaste, I'm not going to try and pronounce that. Another theme of the group is to, quote, bolster a consensus around free market Western capitalism and its interests around the globe, end quote. Bilderberg Group founder Dennis Healy said back in 2001, quote, To say we were striving for a one-world government is exaggerated, but not wholly unfair. Those of us in Bilderberg felt we couldn't go on forever fighting one another for nothing and killing people and rendering millions homeless. So we felt that a single community throughout the world would be a good thing. End quote. Now, should you believe these types of people? Hell no. Don't trust anyone. Not even me. Not even yourself. But uh, I just wish that, uh, I wish we lived in a world where we could actually trust establishment powers. I do always wonder why they never do anything to try and fix that. And there will always be conspiracy theories and whatnot about other like powerful people and organizations. But the true nature of things is far more incoherent and chaotic. But if the conspiracy theories are true, are you ready for the technocrat, collectivist, capitalist dystopia? <laughs> well, there might be a way out. After his space trip, Bezos of Amazon fame and known member of the Bilderberg group, said that in the coming future, only a select few humans will be allowed to live on Earth. And the rest, especially all industry and normal people and whatnot, will be moved out to colonies in space. That's some pretty hardcore hubris, if you ask me. But considering the power Bezos has and the Bilderbergs behind him, someone in the know actually understands there may just be something behind what he's saying. Personally, I've always been down to volunteer to go out into space or be part of like a colony or something. 
it's very much in my nature not only to want to go do that kind of weird risk-taking thing, but also investigate the unknown. But after I heard Bezos say that, my rebellious side instantly kicked in, my inner dialogue saying, you ain't never making me leave Earth. I love nature. <laughs> so I was conflicted by the statement. I know there's a lot of people out there that say space travel and colonizing space is all BS and impossible, but they don't know what they don't know, and humanity doesn't know a lot. However, if the Bilderberg group ordered you off planet without any other option, would you go? Would you fight back? Would you say no? This is considering possible future of this narrative where they do have like world domination, a hypothetical future. But then again, I guess that question doesn't make sense because if it got that far, there wouldn't really be an option, would there? I mean, you wouldn't be able to fart without it being monitored. But then again, space would provide lots of possibilities and even freedoms for those of a more individualistic and adventurous nature. It could be a new frontier for hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of years. I mean, I'm being imaginative here, but you get what I mean. And if the darker nature of the group is true, even then, the fight is far from over. Mark Dice and Daniel Estelin give many valid points on why there is always hope. And even now, the pushback against them has been far more than they could have ever predicted. The key is acknowledging the human right of free thinking. When a group is trying to push a single view, and only that view, while demonizing all others, well, Estelin says that's the Bilderberg group. And as long as that is opposed, complete victory will be unclaimable by them. Also, if the classical philosophies, spiritualities, and ideologies are kept burning, they also say that this would be a massive wrench in their gears. He says when the herd mind people throw insults and false labels on one, it's actually an honorable distinction. Estelin says that the way to keep humanity free is to rock the boat and don't stop rocking it, no matter how stormy it gets. And of course, he means all this peacefully, obviously. But he says to survive the Bilderberg group, if this is real, that you have to call out the shills, the liars, and all the people who flip-flop on things that can be proven through objective evidence. So knowing about the epic power of the Bilderberg group is no reason to take the black pill. Apathy, despondency, powerlessness, and depression these are all essentially exactly what the Bilderberg group wants people to feel. He says the Bilderbergers want the population ignorant, uneducated, unwise, addicted to stimulation and dopamine hits, easy to attain satisfactions, and a society easily movable through gut instincts and emotional manipulation. And on top of all that, installing an aura of arrogance so that they can have their prison guards within the prison that are also fellow prisoners. He says that one of the keys to fighting them is just knowledge accumulation and spreading that knowledge. It's a powerful tool against them. This includes history especially, but all other aspects of the world that are, I guess, worth knowing uh, concerning power plays in society as well should be studied by anyone and everyone. So despite how scary the Bilderberg group can seem thanks to conspiracy theorists, there's still no reason to get paranoid or let it get you down. The human story is a fantastic drama that we all get to play a part in. And all the dark conspiracy stuff surrounding it could also be bullshit. all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed our little talk on the Bilderberg group. I don't know which secret society I'm going to do next, but it's uh, going to be kind of down the line. I just want to do these every once in a while. You know what I mean? And thank you, patron Michael Worrell, for the idea. If you'd like to kind of steer the ship on what kind of content we're going to cover in the future, join Patreon today. 
or just support Crypto Chronicles somehow. A couple of people just go straight through um, PayPal because they don't like Patreon. And I have not set up a subscribe star. I do work a full-time job and I have like a, a fiance, a life, but I swear I will eventually get to it and make that subscribe star. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hosts. You look for us and we're there. Even on Amazon recently, I think. Make sure to like, comment, share, or review even wherever you hear this content. The reviews especially could be very useful. The interaction makes algorithms like the content, so we'll help spread it and grow the show. Though the show is free to listen to, the cost and time to produce it is substantial. By pleasing the gods of the algorithm, you are doing more than your fair share in support. As always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Brodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Johnny Wick, and our newest patron, Matt Poland. Thanks for supporting Cryptic Chronicles, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the most incredible writers in history once said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean someone isn't after you.